So I've got some really fond memories of uh, growing up and, and going to my grandparents' house and sitting in the hallway of their house and, and being on my hands and knees and playing blocks with my granddad. We played Jenga earlier as a game, and um, I remember uh, my, my goal, I, I, I was four or five, maybe six years old, I don't know, when we used to do this, and we'd have the, the big box of old cars that probably belonged to my dad and my older cousins, you know, and they're still there. And then my granddad, who was quite a, a woodworker in his own right and, and did a lot of building and stuff, he would take time away and he would come and sit and he would play with the blocks with me. Do you have any memories of that with, maybe it wasn't a grandparent, maybe it was, maybe it was just someone in your life who was older and, and just invested in the little things, right? Hands and knees on the ground. And I remember like one of my favorite games was just to take the blocks and just build them up as tall as I could. And, you know, we, we had them all different shapes. There were the triangles, there were the one that looked like a crescent, you know, half circle and different, different shapes. And, and, but try as I may, I, I couldn't get them to go very high and then they would fall over. But my granddad could do something incredible. He could stack them as high as he wanted to. Like, he just keeps stacking them, stacking them, stacking them. And I, my little four or five-year-old self, would sit back in awe of my granddad. And, and then he'd build it. And I'm like, this is awesome, this is awesome. Get higher and higher. And then he would sit back and he'd admire the building that he made. And we would name it or we would talk about, like, this is, you know, the Empire State Building or whatever. And then I would kick it down because I'm five years old. And that's what you do when you're five years old. It was a game we played. At least that's at least what I thought. Um, but the... <laughs> The thing that I, I learned about that is that he clearly had some kind of method to the madness, whereas I, at four or five years old, didn't. I was just building and I had no goal. So we're starting this new series today, Under Construction. Because when you get right down to it, life is a lot like that tower. We're constantly under construction. Anyone who's got any plans on living beyond today is under construction, right? Like you, you're probably thinking now, like, what are we going to do for lunch and what are we going to do this evening and what I've got going on this week? You're under construction. Life is constantly being remade and remodeled and rearranged and put in different places and sometimes our living arrangements and our finances and our relationship, they change and they grow because why? Because we're under construction. Life is under construction all the time and it doesn't stop. And so the question is, how do we build this life in such a way that it can survive? You've been there when the tower tumbles down, haven't you? How do we prevent that from happening? Or how do we create something that's going to be strong enough to endure? What if, like when I was playing with my granddad, what if there was a master builder? What if there was someone who said, I, I know the plans and I can build, right? That's the whole idea of this series. We're going to be looking for four weeks of, of taking a look at what it looks like to say, what if we put our, our, hand, our lives in the hands of God, who is the master builder? I believe there are four essential parts to having God build your life. And today I want to get right to the very first one. If you're going to build something that's going to last, it's got to have a solid foundation. This week is all about laying the foundation. In fact, as I got older, what I learned in playing with my granddad is he did have a method to his madness. And he told me, uh, it's funny, you know, you remember little sage wisdom throughout life, like, uh, like mom would say, what was it, uh, put the seat down. <laughs> and granddad was like, if you're going to build a tall tower, you need to have a strong foundation. That was what he would say. And I had no idea the spiritual implications of what that meant. He could build the tower as tall as he wanted to, as long as he built the bottom strong enough to last. I learned that, and I learned that the taller I wanted to build my tower, the stronger the foundation needed to be. What we're going to do today is take a look at the idea that God laying a foundation in your life is something that's been true throughout history. That even at the very beginning of time, when you look at the very first people in the Bible, 
that before they could accomplish anything in life, they first had to let God lay a foundation. We're going to be in the Bible today. If you've got one with you, uh, you can turn to the very first book. It's called Genesis. Uh, we're also going to have it on the screen behind me. Uh, but the book of Genesis has got a cool title. It's called Genesis because the word Genesis means beginnings. This book is about the beginnings, the beginnings of from creation, the beginnings of kind of mankind. And where we're going to pick up in chapter 12, if you're kind of a history buff and you're into world history, this is going to be the time frame if we overlay the Bible over uh, the the rest of world history, uh, there were the Sumerians. They're in the Fertile Crescent. They're in Mesopotamia. They're between the Tigris and Euphrates River. If you remember that from what? third grade geography and, and history. Like, that's where you learn that. It's, it was a real time period. It was when people had transitioned from living kind of tribally and nomadically to actually forming into civilization and culture. And they begin to trade not only with each other, but becoming skilled workers in one specific area. You actually could be a basket weaver. Because everyone needed baskets, and so you get really good at it, and you begin to trade your baskets for your corn or whatever, and your little group of people becomes like a city, a city-state. Then these groups begin trading with different cities. It's the very beginnings of civilization as we know it today. And so that's where we pick up in Genesis chapter 12. We're going to find a guy whose name has become a household name throughout the world, and his name is Abraham. But when we meet him, his name is Abram. Now, let me give you a little bit of a snapshot of where Abram was when we pick up in Genesis chapter 12. Because Abram is a shepherd, and he's out watching his sheep one day. And I just imagine, you know, there's hundreds of them or whatever, and he's got his his fellow herdsmen, and they're all around. And this incredible thing happens in Abram's life. I I wish that it would happen to me sometimes. I don't know if I'm man enough to deal with it, but I wish it would. This This is what happened to Abram. He hears the voice of God. Now, step away from that. You might be in a place right now where you're like, hold up. Okay, so you really believe that there are people who have heard the voice of God? I do. I believe that. I think think that the, the, the history of the story of the Bible actually backs it up in many ways. But Abram becomes one of the very first people who gets some very specific instruction from God. So here he is. He's watching his sheep because that's what he does. He's watching sheep. And all of a sudden, boom, it happens. God comes to him and begins to tell him something. We're going to pick it up in Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 4, and I'm going to get right into it because that's how the Bible does it. We don't get a whole lot of setup, not a lot of pretext, not a lot of context. Just boom, here it goes. And the Lord has said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I'll bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. If you were just watching sheep in a field one day and that message came to you, you're like, sweet. Like, that sounds like a good... Who are you? Where is this coming from? Have I been in the sun too long? Like, what? Am I hearing things in my head? We know because of, Jason, because of Abram's response that he believed that this was something powerful, something supernatural that was happening in him. And so we see his response in verse 4. It says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. Lot went with him. That was his nephew. And listen to this. This is important. Abram was 75 years old when he left out from Haran. That's a, that's a place. So Abram's just minding his own business, you know, watching sheep because that's what he does. And the voice of God comes to him. And like I said, we don't have a lot of context for how this happened. I wonder if was it was really loud. Was it like he had the, the iPod speakers in his ears and he was just like, whoa, what's going on? Or was it sweet and soft? Was it gentle? Did it linger? Was there a lot of reverb in the voice? Or was it very direct like he was sitting right? I don't know. We don't get that context. But we see from Abram's reaction that he had no doubt that it was something believable, supernatural, and something that he should trust because Abram went. 
he went, he left. We don't get much of the context, but the moment between God and Abraham sets up an epic, epic that changes the world. God's promise to Abram that he would make him to a great nation, that he would bless, be blessed by God, that his name would become great. All these things that no one would be able to stand in his way. And most importantly, that God would bless all the world through Abram. It all happens in this moment. And God sets up all these promises. But before any of the promises can come true, God gives him one specific instruction. It's what we see in verse 1. God says, go. Go away from your country, away from your people, away from your father's house, away from everything that's familiar. Go to this place that I will show you. So if I'm Abram, I'm trying to put myself in his shoes just for a minute. If I'm Abram, I can immediately see at least four problems with this plan, okay? Four problems. Problem number one, I have no kids. This promise is I will make you into a great nation and the whole world's going to be blessed and you're going to have all these offspring. It's going to be awesome. I'm like, how can I be a great nation? I'm not even going to be able to be a great grandfather. This is impossible. How is this even as the first problem I see immediately with with the plan? The second problem I see if I'm Abram, I go, okay, let's say maybe you are going to bless me, but my wife is barren. Like she can't have kids. He's he's 75 years old. If they were going to have any kids, they would have had a lot by now. And if you read on his story, you learn that they had tried and they continue to try. And maybe you've struggled. I've had very dear friends that have had a hard time having children biologically of their own, and, it, and it, it starts to weigh on you, doesn't it? And I know that almost all of you probably suffered through that with a friend, if not by yourself. And so you kind of get this jab from God right now to Abram. You're going to be the father of many. What? I don't have any kids, and, and I can't. My wife can't. I see a problem with that, God. If I'm Abram, I see a third problem. Um, I'm 75 years old. Like this is not when you start a career, okay? This is when you start to go out to pasture a little bit. If you're getting close to that age, no offense. What I'm saying is, you made it, right? It's not time to start anything fresh and new. I'm trying to settle down. God, I'm 75 years old, and you want me to go? I was going to uh, stay. <laughs> that was my plan. Third problem, and the fourth one is this. Fourth problem that I can see if I'm Abram. Oh, by the way, you said that I was going to go to this place. But you didn't tell me where to go. My poor kids deal with this all the time. I'm like, why didn't you do this thing? And they're like, what was I supposed to do? I'm like, oh, I forgot to clean up your room. Okay, yeah, we'll go clean up our room. You know, but God said, go to the place where I'll show you. Now, we don't, we don't know uh, how Abram eventually decided how to go anywhere. We, we don't get any of those answers. My, my assumption, because I see that there were some very clear turns that he makes in his path, is that God maybe spoke to Abram many times after this. We just don't have it recorded in the Bible. But as this initial promise happens, Abram's got to decide, how am I going to react? I don't have any kids. My wife is barren. I'm 75 years old, and I don't even know where to go. When God builds your life, the first step is the hardest. I'm going to be real honest. It's hard. Laying the foundation, when it happens with God, it comes down to one word. It's a tiny little English word, but it's so big. And the word is faith. Today's word, if you walk away with anything, is faith. Something that you probably heard about, talked about, thought about. But I wanted to describe what faith is. Faith has got to be the foundation if God's going to build your life. 
several years ago, I got to work with my father-in-law to build a little, it was like a shed, like a storage shed in my backyard. And it was a little like, like 10 by 12, 10 by 10 shed, not very big. Um, and so we'd gone to the store, we bought all the wood for it. Uh, and, and my father in law a great builder. And so he had all the plans in his head. We bought the vinyl siding, we bought the shingles, we bought a bunch of screws, we bought doors, like it was ready to go. So we get there and we measure everything out and we decide where we're going to put this thing. So it's in the back corner of my yard. And then I've got the shovel in my hand and we were going to begin to build, we're talking about laying the foundation. We were going to build the footers for this thing. If you've ever built a small structure like that, you generally don't need a big concrete foundation, but you do have to do some kind of solid footer. We're going to put these four center blocks in the corner and then put the platform on it, build it up from there. So I got the shovel in my hand and, it's, and we've kind of like spray painted out so we kind of know where it's going to go. And I'm starting to dig and my father-in-law goes, wait, is that where you want it? And I say, yeah, I think this will do. He goes, okay, because once you start digging, that's where it's going to be. <laughs> it's not going to move from this place. Your faith is deciding this is where I want to be. It's not having all the answers. I had all these dreams and ideas that we we're going to do with this shed. I wanted to keep my tools in there, keep my, keep my lawnmower in there. Maybe if I need to do some building or whatever, I could work out of there. But before any of those dreams could come true, I had to decide, where am I going to be? Having a foundation in God is saying, God, I trust you enough to let you be my foundation because this is where I want to be. Even though I might not know all the answers from here on out. This is where I want to be. And we see Abram's powerful response to God's promise. God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to do great things for you. If anyone blesses you, I'm going to bless them. If anyone curses you, I will curse them. The whole world is going to be blessed through your line, Abram. Did Abram believe? Well, we don't get his words, but what we see are his actions. I think there's, there's two words in this story that might be two of the most powerful words put together in the entire Bible. And we see it in verse 4, simply this, that Abram went. Abram went. That was his response to God. I'm old, I don't have any kids, I don't know where I'm going, but okay. Why? This is where I want to be. I want to be in your hands. There's something in this message that, you pen, that, that you've given to me that makes me feel like I can trust you. So I'm going to follow you. See, Abram may have made this bold move to follow God, to pack up his household, his servants, his sheep, and whatever all that meant, to leave his father's home area and leave, and to trust God and start moving. How did he decide where to go? I don't know. I, I really, really don't know. A lot of times people want to talk with me about what God's plan for their life is, and, and I have to honestly step back and go, I don't know. But the question is, are you willing to look at God Understand what you can understand about him and say, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. Now, if you're not quite at that space yet, don't worry. We're, we're going to get there. I want to give you a moment to think through some of the things that Abram does in his story and maybe some, hopefully some helpful application of that. But here, here's the thing Abram does. He starts walking. And when you read through the rest of his story, man, that guy, he walks. He's just walking. He walks and he walks. He's all over the Middle East. He goes to a lot of, if you look at some of the cities that he goes to, there's, there's still modern day cities that you can still go visit today. And he's walking all over the place. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. Sometimes he gets in trouble with local governments. Like he walks into one area and this one king's like, uh, why are you here with all your people? Yeah, you're not allowed to be here. And, and, and other things happen. He gets himself in trouble a few times. He kind of goes against God's rules a few times. When it's all said and done, Abram spends 25 years walking. If you've heard the story of Abram before, maybe you haven't put this together. It's 25 years. 25 years, guys, that was 1990. 
What were you doing in 1990? Some of you not born yet. A lot can happen in 25 years. A lot can change. Think about all the changes your life has gone through this, since 1990. What's Abram doing? Uh, I'm going. And I don't want you to think he was just walking along for 25 years. They would move to an area. They would kind of settle in the city. They would set up shop around there. And I do believe that God visited him more times or told him things to do. He felt the movement of God in his life. So he said, okay, guys, it's time to leave again. But you've got to wonder how many times Abram steps back and goes, are we there yet? Are we there? I've been It's been 15 years, God. Like, I'm trusting you. My people are getting restless. Are we there yet? Where is this place that you said you would show me? I feel like by now you would have showed me. Sometimes we go to God and we ask him for stuff. And if it's like two days later and we don't have an answer, we're like, there's no God. Right? I mean, I'm just, this is me. I've been there. I've been feeling like I was wandering in the wilderness going, God, come. Hello, are we there yet? 25 years. 25 years he walks. You know, Here's my point. When you, when you make a point and, a, and the decision to trust God and say, this is where I want to be, it might not happen in your timeline, but God will take you on a journey. And in the end, you will go to the place that he promised. Whether it's the places and the things and, and the life here on this earth that, that maybe you feel like he's promised you through the things that you've seen as you read the Bible and as you, you kind of hear him in your life. Or to ultimately being with him forever in heaven. But I promise you this. It will be a journey. Faith. This is the first time I've, I've said this in, in this message and I want to make sure it's clear I'm going to give a definition for faith there's lots of them that work really well but this is one that's been good for me recently that faith is knowing and believing that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he promises he will do let me say it again faith is believing that God is who he says he is you follow Abram looks at God and says you say that you're God you say that you're creator I believe that and knowing that he will do what he says he will do. Abraham didn't have hundreds of thousands of years of history to go off of like we do. He had one little moment with God in a field. But he lays down the foundation, and faith is actually what kept him going when it got hard. 25 years. Let me, let me ask you a question. In fact, this might be the question that you can take home and chew on for the next, I don't know, 17 years, 25. Here's the question. Where do you turn when life gets hard? Where do you turn when life gets hard? Like, family life is crazy, or finances are, are down, or, 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 you know, your job is not what you want it to be. You look at the economy or the education system or whatever, and you, you look at life, and life gets hard. Where do you turn? A lot of us will say, you know what, I guess I need to work more hours. I need to work my butt off and make some more money. Because if I could just make more money, like, life would be better. Where do you turn? I, I got to call, call my brother. My, that's me. I, I call my brother, like my brother, and I got a few best friends that I, that I call him. But like a lot of times, I don't know what to do, so I'm like, pick up the phone. <sighs> I talk, right? Where do you turn? Where do you turn? Is it your spouse? Is it a coworker? Sometimes the place we turn is to the bottom of a bottle. And I drink eight more beers. Because that's, life is kind of crazy right now, and I just would rather turn it off until tomorrow. Maybe you veg out in front of the TV or a book. Where do you turn when life gets hard? 
I'm going to make a statement. It's a blanket statement. You don't have to keep it, but I'm keeping it. But I want you to chew on it and see if this is true for you. Because it is probable that the place where you turn when life is hard, the person, the circumstance, the whatever, that place where you turn when life is hard, it is probable that that is what you put your faith in. I put my faith in my finances. I put my faith in my relationships. I put my faith in my brother, my sister, my mom, who I call. I put my faith in whether or not the government's doing well or the value of gold. That's, that's where I put my faith. And consequently, if that's true, that is also the foundation of your life. Because when life gets hard, we've got to have something to stand on. And a wise man once said that a wise person will build his house on the rock. Because the rock doesn't shift or slide or change. Not on sand. And a lot of times the things we turn to when life gets hard, man, it's sand. Relationships crumble right underneath our feet. Money is worthless. Why do we even have pennies in our economy? Like, I don't even understand that. That's, who uses pennies? Like, we throw them away. We're like, there's a penny. I'm going to leave it there. Like, money is, is it's worthless in the end. In the end, we're going to be like, uh, this, this sandwich is $5 million. Why? Because money is, it, it just loses value. And when we turn to those things, they crumble under our feet. And then where are we? There's no foundation. There's nothing to lean on. It's 25 years later. And Abram is now 99 years old. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 17 now. And I encourage you to go read in between 12 and 17. It's kind of an epic journey. But as we get to Genesis chapter 17, God shows up again and he gives him a much clearer picture now. And in fact, I imagine that Abram's just like, whoo, thank you. Thank you for something. I've been waiting for something. Let's take a look at it. Genesis chapter 17, 1 through 7. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and he said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and blameless. Actually, that sentence right there, that scares the pudding out of me because I'm like, what? <laughs> faithfully and blameless? That ain't me. But that's what he tells Abram here. Walk before me faithfully. In other words, hey, I'm God. I'm really God. So listen up. Because I'm not here to play around. i got to tell you something. Verse 2. He says, I will make a covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. We're going to kind of break this up and talk in between a little bit here. This scene plays out and it's so pivotal in Abram's story. Because after 25 years of waiting on this promise to come through, God shows up. And he begins to give some specific details. Maybe there are times when he doubted. And we know from his story there are times where he made mistakes. But when we see Abram's reaction to God here in verse 3. We know that Abram knows that God means business. I, I just want to show you uh, the first, what is it? Three, three words from verse 3. Let's just put those up there. This is Abram's response. Abram fell face down. When you look all throughout history, when people have a serious encounter with God, there's really only one reaction. It's, it's kind of a, it's more of a reflex than a decision. Boom. It's a posture of humility. It's going, oh, wow, man, I've been kind of trying to run my life here, God, and um, you're God. I'm not. Abram fell face down. I think we can learn a lot from that moment. But then it continues, and, and, and after he falls face down, it says, Abram fell face down, and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. You hear that? Same promise, 25 years later. God hasn't changed his mind. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. Can I take a pause right there? The word Abraham is a word that means father of many. 
Your name will be Abraham. He's 99 years old now. He has no children. And God comes down and says, uh, you know those stickers you get when you go to a social? And it's like, hello, my name is. And it was Abram. And God's like, let me add to that. Raham. Abraham. Father of many. And so when God renames Abram, he's now going to have to walk up to people and say, hi, my name is Father of many. God's like, I got a little joke for you, Abram. You, you want to really, really, really shake things up in someone's life? Put something in front of them that seems absolutely impossible. And say, God can change this for you. So as you get a new name, Abraham. For I've made you a father. I, I, I love this. I have made you a father of many nations. It hasn't happened yet. Verse 6. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. Kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. For generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. It's 25 years later, and God hasn't changed his mind. It's like God's initial promise was a test. He says, listen, this is what I want to do for you, but first, I need to see if you're in. I need to see if you're willing to say, this is where I want to be. So for 25 years, Abram gets to walk around and decide, am I going to continue to trust God? Am I going to continue to trust God? Am I going to continue to trust God? And after 25 years, God finally goes, okay, you did it. Genesis chapter 15 I mean, 17, 15 through 19 gives the rest of the story because you got to know Abram's sitting here still going, like, I really want to believe you, God, but I still don't have any children. In fact, do you know how this works, God? I I just want to make sure you know where babies come from, right? Sometimes we really question God on the basics. And God's got a very specific answer. He says, as for Sarai, your wife, you're no longer to call her Sarah. You'll call her Sarah. She gets a name changed, name changed too. She says, I will bless her. And she will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Again, Abram fell face down. But this time, he laughed. He said to himself, will a son be born to a man at 100 years old? Because they still haven't had a baby yet. He's 99. Do the math. 100 years old, and will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? I want to take a time out and tell you something that happened in Abram's life. See, somewhere along the line between chapter 12 and chapter 17, Abram was getting restless, and he was thinking, you know what, maybe, maybe I should just fast forward this process with God a little bit. Maybe I misunderstood what God was saying. So he takes on a, a second wife, really. It was his wife's servant, Hagar, which is an unfortunate name. For a lady, but it is. It was a long time ago, and and so they decide that okay, maybe God, maybe God didn't mean we would have a kid. Maybe He just meant you, Abram. So you can try having the child with this other woman, and they do. And God said that wasn't my plan. It wasn't my plan. Have you tried to fast forward God's plans before? I have. Yeah, we do, we do this all the time. We do this with relationships. God says, listen, I, I got a plan for relationships. In fact, there's certain parts of the intimate part of your relationship that I, I reserve just for marriage. That part's not for ready people. It's not for mature people. It's for married people. That's what I've designed this for. And we're like, yeah, but that's surely not what you meant, right? Like we're supposed to kick the tires before we buy the car, right? And we say that. I hear people say that out of their mouth. I'm like, that is so dehumanizing. <laughs> But God said, no, I've got a plan for marriage, and this is what it is. And so we try to fast-forward the process. 
And God says, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to do these things for you. And you're like, yeah, yeah. But what you probably meant was I should like just skip out on church and community and I should do things my way. And we try to fast forward the process. And we try to shortcut the things that we allow to come into our minds. And God says, I want you to keep your minds pure. And I want you to set your hearts on things above and your minds on things above. And you're like, yeah, but that probably doesn't mean everything, right, God? God's like, no. And sometimes we, we take a step back in our reaction. And maybe this is you. It's been me. You think, God, why do you have all these arbitrary rules? Like, why would, Are you just like a stick in the mud? Or Christians are just a bunch of goody-goodies that just don't want to have any fun? And God's like, no, I, I have plans for you. But to get there, you've got to do things this way. This is the way I designed you. This is the way I designed life to work. Abraham tried to take a shortcut. And God wants to clarify, no, Sarah will be the mother of your child. We're not going to read the rest of the story. I just want to tell it to you. They, they do have a child. And his name is Isaac, which is kind of another joke uh, on Abram. Because every time they call his name, Isaac means Laughter. <laughs> And so everybody's like, Isaac, come to dinner. Ah, yeah, I know, God. <laughs> I didn't believe it would happen, but it does. I, I want to give you a quick, a quick family tree here. Uh, this is Isaac. Okay? Isaac was born to Abram at a very old age. And the story of Isaac and Abram is, is awesome. Like, I, we could do a whole other talk on that later. And actually, I've done it a couple times before already here. But man, his story is amazing. But then Isaac grows up, and he gets married, and he has uh, a set of twins, Jacob and Esau. Jacob ends up having a name changed too by God. He's a.k.a. Israel. You ever heard of Israel? Like the nation? Yeah, there's a lot of talk about that in the news all the time. Israel, Jacob, ends up having 12 sons. Okay, these 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. If you know how ancient bodies of families work, I mean, it's like one patriarch, and then they end up growing up and getting married and having more and more and more and more children. Before long, the nation of Israel is millions of people. They become what is the Jewish nation, or they're called Hebrews throughout history. They're the Jews. They're the nation of Israel. All traced back to this one guy, Jacob, whose name was Israel. There's 12 of them. One of those tribes was called Judah. Judah was one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And from the lineage of Judah come a king named David and a bunch of other kings. And eventually a guy, maybe you've heard his name, named Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of Abraham's promise from God that all nations will be blessed through you. You think 25 years is a long wait. God first wanted to develop a nation and a covenant with a people so they could learn the context of his love and understand the value of getting rid of sin from our life and see that God can leave a track record of trustworthiness Verse 19 of chapter 17. Then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son. And you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. What foundation are you building your life on? When time gets rough and hard, where do you turn? God's promise was that all the earth would be blessed through Abram. And I want you to know, Abram didn't do it perfectly. He makes some big mistakes, disappoints God in some major ways. But when you check out at the very end of his life, and actually fast forward all the way to the New Testament of the Bible, which is you know a couple thousand years later when Jesus is actually uh, on the scene, and his apostles are kind of starting the church, the sentence that is written about Abram is, Abram believed And his faith 
as a foundation was credited to him as righteousness. Not that he did everything right, but that he believed. Abram was how God laid the foundation for our faith. And in him, in many ways, we stand on his shoulders. But God's promise that all the earth will be blessed through Abram's faith came true. Not through Isaac, not through Jacob, but ultimately through Jesus. Jesus, though Abram was the father of our faith, today we have so much more to go on. Abram had like a whispered promise in his ear. But today, we've got a hundreds of year of track record of God that we can follow. And Jesus who says, I can give you a direct connection to God Almighty. Let's, let's hear Jesus' words. We're going to fast forward the Bible all the way to the New Testament, the book of John, which is one of the biographies of Jesus' life. John chapter 14. This is Jesus talking about faith. He says, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. But I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go there to prepare a place for you, he's talking about heaven, by the way. And I just want to let you know, Abram got a promise. This is the promise from Jesus. Okay, heaven. I'm going to there to prepare a place for you and I will come back and I'll take you with me. That you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Does that sound familiar? You know the place that I will show you. And Abram goes, what place? I love Thomas. Thomas is one of the disciples and he's someone who, uh, he, he's willing to ask a question or two if you know much about Thomas. Thomas said, Lord, uh, no, we don't know where you're going. <laughs> where, where are you going? Tell us so that we can know the way. And this is Jesus' answer. Oh, I am the way. The truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And Abram laid a foundation for our faith. Abram showed his faith in two words. Abram went. But Jesus offers us the assurance of heaven with two more words. Here's his two words. Follow me. What is the foundation that you're building your life on? Jesus said, make it me. I am the way. Decide this is where I want to be. This is what I want to build my life on. This is what I want to build my family on. This is what I want to build my career on. This is what I want to build my decisions on. Here at Venture, we call it being a God chaser. But it's the same thing. Follow me through Jesus. And maybe like Abram, you're in a place where you still need to do some more walking. Like you got a lot of questions about God. Maybe you came last week at Easter for the first time. Man, I'm so pumped that you came back. I asked you to come back and you did. That was cool. Maybe your friend did. That's awesome. But keep walking. Keep walking. Through that 25 years, Abram learned a lot about God. Ask your questions. Be bold. Go to the friend that brought you. Shoot me an email. Get up with somebody at church. Be like, I, I got questions. I got questions about life. I got questions about God. Ask those questions because God didn't leave us empty with no answers. But you remember when Abram learned about God, he pretty much knew nothing. Today we have so many more answers. Maybe for you, you've kind of been through that journey of the walking, and maybe your response needs to be like Abraham's response in Genesis 17. Abraham fell face down. Sometimes we've got to get off our high horse, take a posture of humility and say, you're God, and I'm not. I'm, I'm sorry. And it's really cool because from down here, God got the blocks, and he said, hey, let me help you build. Like my granddad did a long time ago. He says, listen, you lay the foundation. You make it strong. You make it in me. And I can help you build the tower. And he'll be patient with you when you knock it over, over and over and over again. And he'll help you rebuild. And he'll help you remodel. Faith might be the hardest part, but it's not the only part. 
There's three more parts of God building us, and we're going to talk about those in the next three weeks, and I'm so excited to do it. I hope you'll come back and join us then, but for now what I want to do is pray together. Let's pray. God, you are good and you are faithful, and so, t- so often we forget. But um, thank you for men like Abram who had so little to go on, yet saw your might and your power and was willing to establish a foundation, not just for his own life and his family, but one that we could build on as well. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room who is just kind of starting out with faith, that you can help them be patient with you because you're patient with us. Help us to be a community of people who will embrace that and help us grow together in you. And we pray this all in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.